Welcome to Tiny Awakenings, where I, your host, Reagan Williams, share my unedited aha moments, offering solutions to life's problems or new interpretations of the typical. Essentially, I'm sharing with you verbal journal entries I've recorded over the past year in hopes that only one of us have to go through tough situations to learn these simple lessons. But hey, maybe we're learning and growing together. And for that, I thank you. Today's unedited Tiny Awakening is about the burden of white supremacy on the Black psyche, aka the white man that whispers when we speak of limitations, excuse oppressive systems, when we glorify capitalism and deny ourselves rest. Ugh, let's listen. Oh my god. Oh, it's 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 not funny. Uh I was just thinking like I use the analogy of like not letting the white man on my shoulder, like, you know, like the devil and angel thing. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to let the white man on my shoulder control me anymore. <laughs> like To tell me that like certain things about me limit me, whether that be like my race limits aspects of my personality, the amount of money I can make, the things that I can do, me as a woman in the workplace, there's like there are glass ceilings and they're very real, but I'm not going to let you walk above me and think that I just, that I can just lay down and think that I don't deserve any more than, than what's been handed to me in life. And I was like, wow, how many white men do black people or people of color bring into spaces when we show up? Like how many little doubtful voices in our heads in ways that we should live our lives that have been extremely colonized, that we just amplify those voices when we show up with each other? How many white men do we carry into rooms that we fill ourselves in? And, you know, I got a lot of flack growing up for like, you know, being like the white, the black white girl, the white black girl. There we go. <laughs> I was like, that didn't sound right. The white black girl, like the girl that was just like, you have no idea what's really going on outside. <laughs> like, you're just very um, detached and unaware of like our struggles and the things that we're going through. And like, just to, to a lot of like, to a strong degree, I am 20 something years old and I can say that like little me was a little, yeah, she was out of the loop. Um, do I want to be penalized for like being a black person who, you know, loves like, you know, all black and like occasionally listens to rock music and I, do I want my black card taken away for that? No, I hate those games. I hate the games that we freaking play to like monitor ourselves and our behaviors and what is deemed to be black and what's not. Or like the fact that I've definitely had to tell people of the struggles that I've gone through in my life for them to to like validate my blackness. The fact that I had to even struggle is ridiculous. And the fact that now I'm using the struggles that I went through to explain to you that I'm a black person is crazy. We are allowed to live in luxury. We are allowed to live soft, beautiful lives. Anywho, um, but yeah, I was like, wow, I think people saw me and they were like, there is there's this white person that she's carrying around, you know, like she's just out of freaking touch. And I was just like, wow, like how many people as woke, um, quote unquote, as like woke as I and a lot of my friends 
are, what things are we still carrying around in ourselves? And I think it's just like a lifelong journey because I don't, I don't know. I don't believe in, you know, anyone just fully making their destination. I mean, unless maybe, you know, you've reached enlightenment, Um, (laughs) but like we're all like just continuously pushing ourselves to learn and to grow and to like heal from like the things that we were taught were normal that just didn't fit who we were. You know, I was taught that being straight was normal and acceptable and I'm not straight. So I still have to convince myself day to day that like the things that I do are my normal and they are very much acceptable and celebrated actually over here. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I'm just like, wow, like in a crowd, in a room of black people, how many white men are still in the freaking room because of the society that we grew up in? because of the things that we are taught, because we have to fight to show our value in this capitalistic society. Like, mm, I just, I don't know. This is like just so stuck with me because it really opens my eyes to some of like the little black card games and the ridicule that like black men go under when they date white women now if you only date white women i am very much on the same boat like because you have a lot of internalized racism that you need to figure out if you only if you only date white women if you only prop up whiteness if all of your friends are white all of your colleagues are white and you think that you're somehow exceptional in the in a crowd of black people truly you are so very very much out of touch <laughs> um truly um but you know the ridicule that that black men just get from like going on dates and like dating a white woman like just like i happen to fall in love with this person it's just like damn but it's, be- it's because you know in some metaphorical way like we see we've seen this play out in so many other Black men who don't have any respect for, love for, admiration for, celebration for Black women. And it's because you have a white man sitting on your shoulder that's not just whispering things into your ear as like a distant memory of like back in the day when like you didn't understand something as a child, right? I'm, I'm, I'm talking about myself as a kid. That's not where you are. You're sitting here present day like reinforcing with your own might and power through attorney, (laughs) through your words, through the fact that you have children that you're like teaching these things to, it's getting, it's getting a little too, it's getting a little too real. The white man on your shoulder is screaming and he's controlling your life. He's controlling your life. So even though like you're showing up as a, as a black person, it's like, like they got you. They got you down bad. It's giving it out. And I have a lot of empathy for like people who don't see the greatness of like our communities that are marginalized, like because we do have to decolonize our minds. We do have to like, you know, Especially when you grew up around a lot of white people or, I mean, not even a lot of white people. When you grew up in the hood too, like, and everybody you knew was black and you were constantly in community with black people, but all of them were struggling. 
all the black people that you saw were struggling and then you get put in a school where like all the white people are rich and all the white people are doing well even if they're not rich like they still have food on the table and some some normalcy and consistency in their lives you start to like think like even subconsciously i don't think people like really give the power to their of unconscious that they really, really should. And maybe it's because of my understanding of like psychology that I understand. Like there are some sh- underneath the surface that is playing you like a puppet, honey. If you don't like address that, sh- it really, really is. But when you just constantly accept that, even in sitting and accepting that, that there's a black part of town where people are struggling and then there's a white part of town, town. And people are thriving. And then you just accept that as like, this is just like, this is just America. Yeah. That's the white man on, on, on your shoulder. That's just saying that this is just America and that I shouldn't be upset about this at all. And that it's not, you know, it's, uh, not white people's fault that black people are failing. Uh, all these statistics and all this other stuff. Yeah. That's, that's, that's black people's fault. We're behind because not because we were behind, uh, centuries in developing our own communities and that when we built those communities they were burnt to the ground go do some research um but just accepting like oh we just didn't work hard enough we're just not this is just our side of town because you know not because of redlining and all this other stuff that was very strategic and a very smart white person sat in a room and 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 figured out how to segregate these communities did not look like this um post Slavery, and I want people to know that uh, people segregated communities because they were inter- integrated. Especially like uh, Charlotte, for instance, was very integrated um, post-slavery, um, and was then again strategically segregated. Like if you just sit, you just sit around every day, and you're just like, "Yeah, this is just it. This is just life. There's, racism doesn't exist." The white man sitting on your shoulder screaming. So. Yeah, I've just been wondering, like, <laughs> how big, how pronounced are the impressions of white society on Black people? How large and pronounced are the the impressions of homophobia and classism and racism um, that we carry and are very much Black, very much diverse queer, trans, non-binary bodies because of the the manipulation that we've gone through to think that we inherently deserve less. Black is rich, queer is holy, and the feminine is mighty. How about that? If you enjoyed this tiny awakening, rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you use to listen. Tune in next week for a powerful conversation about rest is our birthright.